Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast. It is April 6th, 2020, and we are here again at Teeker's Tavern. We've got my father, Harry Larry, and my sister, Sarah, here so far. And we've got my mom in the chat, and we're just hanging out. We're going to kind of talk about virtual gaming in today's episode. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about our geek agendas. So we're going to go down the line. Dad, are you prepared with your geek agenda? I am prepared. All right. Kick it <laughs> Actually, off, because I, I am got, not. <laughs> I've, got, I've got Carl's geek agenda, too, because he's going to be late. Okay, anyway, Carl got a, a 3D printer. And it, I had been printing a little, and then, but I had a problem because when I got my printer, I set it up on my computer bench, and um, so there was always stuff in the way because my computer bench generates mess, and uh, uh, of course the bed, you know, moves back and forth and everything, so I I wanted to find a dedicated place for it, and I wanted to get it out of the living room. And so I, um, I, I reduced the number of speakers in my office by two, and moved a couple speakers around, and uh, it gave me a place for my open reel tape deck and my 3D printer. But the shelf wasn't quite wide enough, you know, so I had to like go find a piece of tabletop and cut it the right size and then screw it down with screws. That was it. Not too hard on the carpentry. And uh, now my 3D printer's in the office right next to the machine where I generate the uh, files. And um, um, it's not in the living room. So I'm excited about that because I'm a podcaster. Mm -hmm. And podcasters are excited about stuff like that. Stands to reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's not to be excited about? I built a shelf, I mean, a tabletop on top of my shelf and got my 3D printer in there, you know. Plus, I, I did um, purchase the open, I mentioned the open reel deck in this project. I purchased open reel um, and um, uh, it's playing the tapes and I have already dubbed two Jonesville Jazz Society concerts from the 70s. So, um, sort of a stretch, but somewhat related to your geek agenda. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk about this because this was more of an experience that I'm excited about that I think is going to grow into more of a hobby in the future. But Kier, uh, the, the other brother, not Carl, but Kier, um, invited me to come to a local makerspace with him on Saturday. And we went and he kind of showed me, he's been working on making tokens, um, for X-Wing, and uh, he, he kind of walked me through the process of making these plastic to tokens using the, the laser, like, etching, cutting machine. Uh -huh. um, I'm sure there's a technical term for it, but that's what I'm calling it, the, the laser cutting machine. Um, <laughs> it's, called, it's called a laser cutter. So. All right! I was so yeah. on brand there. <laughs> just, just so you know, you were right there. Um. But anyway, we had that experience on Saturday and I got to like work with the software and, and do all the steps and Kier kind of showed me he's been self-taught on it and now he's spreading the love a little bit. So I got to learn how to do all of that. And so now I've got a million projects in mind and I know that Kier's got projects that he wants to bring me in on. So 
there's there's a lot of future geek agendaing happening there, I'm sure. But right now, it's just a taste of it. But I'll give you a teaser of that. Uh, and the other thing that I've been doing with with some of my newfound free time is I've been working on writing again. And uh, that is something that I did real hot and heavy for a while and got kind of got lost on it. And uh, I'm trying to, to write every day. I haven't done well the past couple of days, but I did about a week and a half of writing every day and I need to get back onto it. But I was distracted by other life things going on. But um, that's a that's a novel that is in perpetual, never going to get it done kind of novels that I've been working on since probably like, I don't know, junior high school. So <laughs> maybe one day, but I've gotten back into that and been enjoying that process as well. That's great. I like writing, but I haven't been doing a lot lately, except the writing I do every week. Gamer Plus News, script for something blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I used to. Not creative writing, just. Yeah. Yeah, I used to write all the time because I worked at a newspaper, and now I don't work at a newspaper anymore. So I, I it's kind of that you get burnt out. Even though you like it, you get burnt out if you do it every day. And so I didn't write for the longest time when I stopped working at the newspaper. And now I'm just getting back into it. So hopefully I'll rediscover my love for writing. Hopefully, yes. Oh, All also, right. on the laser cutter, I, yeah. got, I got turned on to the laser cutter um, by Alan, who sometimes comes and chats with us. He's in the NEA Gamers Guild. And... Uh, he, I think he got a laser cutter. He was fixing to get a laser cutter, and he showed me some links. It's cool mm-hmm. stuff they can do now. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, and it's yeah. so it can be really intricate with your cuts, which is and etchings and all of that. It's yeah. Amazing. When I first got there on Saturday, we spent probably like half hour plus just trying to calibrate it because apparently it was really out of whack and um here was talking about the difference from before and after because once we got it all calibrated and started doing the cuts and everything it was way faster and way smoother than it had been before um so it was uh it was kind of like uh Seeing a weird uh, uh, technological leap right before before my eyes, where Kira was comparing pieces he had created before, and then the ones that we had just created after calibrating it. So, <laughs> turns out those things work better if they're actually maintained properly. Yeah, that's true of three D printers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about any tool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, what's your geek agenda? I've been doing something that I swore I would never do, and that is designing cross-stitch patterns. Um, <laughs> it was it was never something that I was that interested in. And then I um, I started looking at, like, antique pattern um, sampler motifs and stuff and figuring out ways to uh, rework them, I guess, is the best way to, to describe it, to mm-hmm. suit my style better. Um one thing I will say about antique samplers, while I really like the look of them, they are usually ginormous. Um, you know, like much bigger than a project that I would want to take on um, for that sort of thing. Um, 
And so I've been designing, a lot of samplers are like 300 by 500 stitches. I've been designing stuff that's like 100 by 150. So a ton smaller and um, just having a blast with it. I've, you know, not, I've not finished stitching any of them myself. So I'm not sure how much I'm going to like it once I actually see the finished product, but I'm, I'm enjoying the time I've, I've done four or five little small designs just because I get an idea and I'm like, Oh, I want to see how that looks. So it's been fun. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it looks when it's done. <laughs> I feel like me personally would much rather design cross stitches than actually do the cross stitching myself. <laughs> I would say, and I was learning the software too, but it took me about 12 hours to do my first 100 by 150 design and it's going to take me a whole lot more hours. I got 12 hours into stitching it and barely have any progress on it. So I'm probably not even the 10th done. So <laughs> it is, it is not a um, fast hobby, but it is one I enjoy. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to enjoy it to do it. There's no oh, reason yeah. to do it if you don't. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I, I say that sometimes sometimes your daughter stitches something for a mother that <laughs> she didn't much enjoy stitching but. yeah so i have a question sarah about yeah. cross stitch patterns and it relates to the geek agenda because carl has been scaling his 3d figures to match like uh, old type sizes 25 millimeter i think right yeah, I saw yeah. that's true yeah and so, <laughs> <Wild> Carl appears. <laughs> so with with 3d figures you can scale them in cura or whatever your software is but what mm -hmm. about scaling cross stitch patterns is that pretty tricky the easiest way to scale cross stitch is not through patterns but through your fabric so oh, by using a different uh, yeah by using yeah. a different count of fabric so um but you can't make it less work <laughs> i mean you can make it that you're makes it more detail. work not less work <laughs> yeah, you're gonna lose i mean unlike a vector or something like that you're gonna start losing detail if you yeah that's what i'm wondering it's kind of like pixels stuff, so. yeah 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 it's exactly like you could make something so, twice as big and it'd probably work but it wouldn't yeah. be as good as one that was designed twice as big. But if you make it smaller, you're probably going to uh, start losing your detail, huh? Yeah, unless you, like I said, the easiest one. Because <laughs> I stitch on everything from 14 count Ada, which is 14 mm. squares to the inch, to a lot of times when you get up into the linens and stuff, you're stitching like 28 count, 32 count. Ooh, but wow. you're stitching over two squares so that you're really stitching a bigger X for those spaces but a lot of times i'll stitch over one because i want it to be teeny weeny i want it to be 32 <laughs> stitches to the inch <laughs> because you want to have to work four times as long <laughs> no it's the same amount of time oh it is doing okay. it on 14 count mm -hmm. except i mean it is and it isn't because I mean, I have to, like, drag out the, the reading glasses and stuff if I'm going to try to do 32 count over one. But it's the same amount of stitches. It's the exact same, same amount, amount of stitches. stitches. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but for a much smaller, that's what you're doing, though. You yeah. If you want it smaller, yeah. you get Yeah, that. it is for yeah. a smaller, yeah. Yeah. Now, I was trying to figure out if there was a way you could take one of those vintage too large and convert the 
border or something into a one half the size or something. Obviously, half the size Not is going to be your best I mean, bet. it depends on the pattern, obviously. If some mm-hmm. things, if they just happen to be worked out in a way that that would make sense, you could do it. But for the most part, you're going to just lose a whole lot of detail. So it's yeah, because you, like you, you have a lot of single line detail, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's, um, well, and then you get into things, too, where like you're doing quarter stitches, which is one quarter of that square. So it'd be real hard to make that. Yeah even smaller so yeah i love that our uh gaming podcast is uh spent a good chunk of time over the last little bit talking about cross stitching (laughs) 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 i think it's not even just this episode i've learned so much about cross stitching (laughs) through this podcast it's exciting (laughs) Uh, i used to cross stitch years ago but man the time sink is too real for me, and I am someone yeah. that enjoys time sinks. Yeah, I I mean, I usually will stitch while I'm watching TV. Yeah, because I like I love I love the look of it. It's it like you said, it's pixel yeah. art. I love pixel art. So yeah, so yeah, I I, I cross stitch when I listen to music or watch TV, or sometimes even occasionally listen to an audio book. <laughs> it's been known to happen. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I have to have something else going on. I'm, I'm, I rarely just stitch in silence. Mm-hmm. All right. Carl, Dad has mentioned a little bit about your 3D printing as your geek agenda e item. Um, do you have anything to add, or do you have a different geek agenda you want to talk about? Um, well, lately, my agenda has been a near constant sense of dread. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I've been medicating that with 3D printing. (laughs) (laughs) Distracting my brain by printing and painting tiny figures. Um, So the scaling thing, specifically tiny figures, because I am uh, scaling down the prints to true 25, where a six foot tall human is 25 millimeters tall. Um, this scale is uh, properly called 172. A lot of people call 172 20 millimeters, which is incorrect. But that's because um, we've kind of used the terms for scale as like 25 mm, 28 mm, 32 mm, um, which are not scales. Uh, and because our 25 millimeter miniatures are not actually 25 millimeters, um, when we look at 172 scale figures, which are actually 25 millimeters, they look too small. So obviously they have to be 20 millimeters. Um, so this is all scale creep. This is all stuff that I rail against and I, I have a big uh, uh, hatred for. Um, but um, with bigger is printing, better. When, uh-huh? bigger is better. Wrong. Totally (laughs) and 100% incorrect. Um, uh, For a couple of reasons. Um, But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, You know, you can like what you like. But uh, I like True 25. I like uh, small scale figures. Um, And, uh, I mean, it's not even that small. Honestly, a lot of the same stuff works. um, Like, I have halfling miniatures that are designed for modern miniatures that I use at true 25 scale and they look fine. Um, so it's really just, uh, uh, for me, 
it's a great joy to be able to scale down these 3D prints to True 25 because, you know, despite um, what's available in 172 plastics, which are mostly historical based, which is mostly, mostly, which is mostly um, male soldiers, you know, that's what you're going to find. For an RPG player, it's really hard to kind of uh, pull in enough models to represent every creature type or type um, without, uh, you know, exhausting just the kind of uh, depths of, of the old school miniatures. Not even all the old school miniatures are the true 25 size that I'm looking for. A lot of stuff like Heritage and uh, Grenadier models got a little too big for my taste. And I mean, this is really just Skelt's consistency. It doesn't really matter uh, to almost everybody else <laughs> on the planet. Um but I like it. <laughs> so, um, uh, the 3D printing itself uh, has just been wonderful. I, I was able to get a, a used 3D printer from Jared Nilsson of World of Game Design under the assumption that I'm trading a whole bunch of old school miniatures uh, for it. And I have not boxed those up yet or sent them to him. So basically i just stole this thing at, at the moment until I, <laughs> until I make good, I have just stolen a 3d printer. Uh, a guy, uh, Sarah knows, I believe Bruce Cunnington has helped me uh, immensely. Um, yeah, I have met him. He's part of the DCC RPG group. He's a cool dude. That's what I say. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> uh, has helped me immensely. Uh, Tom Tullis, obviously, of Fat Dragon Games, has these fantastic uh, tutorial videos that have helped immensely. Um, and I'm using uh, Tom's uh, Cura profile for my prints. So all of my miniatures, whether they're Tom's miniatures or not, I've printed using his profile, and they've all turned out really well. So can I just say, I love that in all of your geek agendas... Since y'all got really technical with your, like, true 25s and your stitches per inch. And I'm over here being like, I played around on the laser cutting doohickey. All right, then. I think we're ready to go into our main topic for tonight, which is virtual gaming, because at this time of social distancing, we still want to figure out ways to tabletop game. And obviously, gathering around a tabletop isn't always an option. So we're looking at ways that you can continue to enjoy the games that you love to play during this time. So I'm going to open this up for discussion. So, uh, I used to do a show right here on Tinkar's Tavern Discord server called The Dungeon Show. Um, and uh, on that show, we had a couple of virtual tabletop uh, guests talk about their options. And one that I want to mention just because of its uniqueness is... Um, ba -ba 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 -ba, it is called... It's, it has a name. It does. Um, what is it called? This is the laser awful. cutting doohickey. Is it no. an RPG specific thing? Or yes, goodness so gracious! The big ones are Fantasy Grounds and Roll Twenty. So this is one not of one of the big ones. The well, thing that makes well, this one different <laughs> is that you you attach a camera uh, to whatever rig you can, and, and you point it at a tabletop, and you actually broadcast your tabletop. And it um, makes it into a grid with an overlay. And then you put miniatures and scenery out. 
And the way this works for people who have slower internet connections, because it's just basically displaying your tabletop, they do it at a lower video frame rate. Um, give me a second and I will find the, uh, I was, I was on that show whenever you had that uh, guest. I remember that virtual tabletop, uh, presentation and we, uh, all got going on it, you know, and they just started using it that night, you know, playing around with it. We weren't playing a game on it, but moving characters around and stuff like that. So the, um, he can move, uh, miniatures and you see the miniatures move, um, uh, but the players uh, can also have an icon that they move themselves. It's pretty interesting. It was yeah, a well-thought-out system. I've, I've not used any of the... I've, I've messed around with some of them, but I've not actually ran a game on any virtual platform. Yeah, I really hate that I'm blanking on the name of the software because it was really cool, and it, it would probably be what I would go to instead of a virtual tabletop because... Um, Stuff like Roll Twenty, and that you know the the amount that I've messed with them, which is not a lot. Um, uh, I I don't know. I have a hard time with them, and I think it's probably a me issue, <laughs> not a them issue. Um, but it's just not something I have taken the time to figure out. But I love the the idea of having a uh, you know because I am a miniature painter. If I wanted to have a tabletop in front of people, I wanted to be the stuff that I've painted, the stuff that I've put together. Um, especially with the type of, of mini, of D and D that you run. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, like right. your miniatures are different than what miniatures, most D and D players bring to the table. So Carl, if you were playing on a system like that, would you, as the DM move all the players characters too, so they could have miniatures out there? Well, I mean, um, so uh, for the one that's video broadcasted, that's uh, that's just miniatures I have here. Yeah, I mean, um, I would have uh, miniatures for each of the player characters out there. I would move them. The way it was set up is they could actually direct you. So they could uh -huh. like direct where they want their piece to go and then you would move it for them. Okay. Uh, for Roll20, you can actually provide control over just certain pieces. Uh -huh. So like this you can have a player have control over their piece. Um, when I, when I've worked through roll 20, I set up like a, like a token selection screen. So it was just a, a floor and a bunch of different tokens uh, arranged by class. And that way my thought was I would load into that screen and then say, choose which token you want to use and then assign control from there. But um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just also just as easy. And the only type of, of uh, internet gaming I've done is just do theater of the mind voice chat and just keep in mind that it's going to be a little bit more loosey goosey because you're doing voice chat over the internet. Well, you know, and you, you, you not only lose having the miniatures and the scenery and the, and the, that kind of visual aid, but you also lose seeing each other if you're just doing it through voice, which is all I've ever done. I've not even done video chat. So but even video chat, you have a little bit of uh, a burden uh, that you don't have when you're face to face around a table. You know, there's a little, you know, even if it's just a little bit of lag that can really cause hiccups. So you kind of got to forgive yourself that a little bit and just say, OK, we are just, uh, uh, you know, having a loosey goosey fun game that, that it doesn't have to be perfect and we can just chat over voice and go through this adventure. I've done a couple of those since the the current situation has arisen. And um, 
uh, they've gone well. Uh, uh, I did one with a uh, basic expert Dungeons and Dragons and one with fifth edition. Um, and both went fine. I like playing Dungeons and Dragons on Discord or over voice chat or voice and text where you can put up links and pictures. That mm-hmm. That's good, too. Um, uh, I find it is different. Um, I really, to play um, online Dungeons and Dragons over voice, i got to focus a lot more intently. Um, when I'm around the table, that kind of happens automatically. You know, I follow everything automatically, but but with just the chat going, it's too easy to drift off if you don't focus. And then, you know, you miss, you know, whatever, you know. And that's probably a part of the game you miss that you wish you hadn't. I am considering doing some virtual judging at some point, um, possibly very soon. And I'm thinking about using Zoom because I think I want the video. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am more theater of the mind, so I don't need like a tabletop platform. I don't know. Zoom seems to be the one that everybody goes to, so that's why I mentioned that one. But I know there are other options out there. Yeah, I've used Zoom a couple of times for business meetings. It provides those who want to have like a webcam, have that webcam, and it's one of those that just automatically bounces around based on who's talking at the time. Um, or I'm sure there's ways to lock it, and obviously people can mute and things like that to avoid it bouncing around. Um, but it's worked pretty well for what I've used it for, but it's been more for, like, meetings. Yeah, and the thing I like about it is if you don't want to be on video camera, you can still turn that off, still be yeah. part of the conversation, and whoever's, you know, whoever's comfortable with it is fine. Obviously, as a judge, I would need to be on video camera because I would probably still be showing hand-drawn maps and art and stuff like that that i would normally mm-hmm. show at the table but um but yeah i do like that it gives you that option of i can be seen or i could choose not to be seen either way um so that's what i'm leaning toward i have used zoom but i have only used it as a as a voice chat i mean other people were on video but i was only on voice chat and i've only used it a handful of times need to explore that a little bit there's another one i can't think of the name of it that a lot of people are using as well that i don't think has the cost association that zoom has but I'd have to, I'd have to... no it's a it's another business meeting kind okay. of kind of thing but i can't i can't think of the name of it right so i'm no help there <laughs> One thing that's kind of interesting is that there have been, like, virtual conventions lately. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think these have kind of existed beforehand, but they're definitely being organized a lot more right now. Like, Gary Kahn, they weren't able to do their regular convention, so they turned it into a virtual convention, which I did not participate in. um, Because I just couldn't figure out a setup that was going to work for me in time. But that would have been fun. And I know a lot of people that did participate and had a lot of fun with it. And um, I think if you go to tabletop.events and start looking, you'll find other virtual cons, including one run by tabletop.events as a fundraiser that's going to be in May just to help them keep afloat. Because with all of the cancellations that's been happening, they're having a hard time. They're struggling right now. So that was the, the solution they came up with was to try to run a virtual con as a fundraiser to help keep them afloat for as long as they need to before conventions start getting scheduled again yeah i read about that uh, problem they were having yeah it's not i've not participated in a virtual 
convention, but I'm I may be doing one this this month because Goodman Games is doing one. Uh, if I can figure out a good setup, I might I might run a couple of games. Yeah, um, uh, going to a virtual convention would certainly cut down on the travel expense in the hotels. <laughs> Hotel, yeah, <laughs> there is that, and you still get to hang out with all the same people, just in a you know, yeah, a more of. distant situation. Yeah, yeah. They're they're doing like the the Goodman Games one. They're doing seminars and all kinds of stuff, not just gaming, but so that'll be interesting to to see how that goes because it's the first time they've done anything like this. Well, I've been trying. Okay. I'm interested in seeing how it goes. I, I have found the name. I just okay. want to get this out here real quick yeah. for it while I have it on my screen. It's called Virtua Rasa. Virtua like, Rasa. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah. And it's it's augmented reality tabletop. And it's 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 a, a cool idea. I need to check that out. Uh, yeah. And I mean, to me, it would be the way I would, I would want to go just because I... I I think it's I I just have a harder I don't know what it is I have a hard time moving around tokens <laughs> I think I would just forget <laughs> it's like your athletes still up there oh no uh, I don't know I, I could probably handle roll twenty if I actually like put some energy into it but yeah virtual rasa um, as far as virtual cons go another uh, one that is possibly going that way uh, is North Texas RPG Con which is one me and Courtney go to uh, we love it. Um, and uh, even though it's all the way in June, it's certainly uh, affected even now. And uh, who knows? It, you know, uh, so um, that's one that I will uh, happily uh, help run virtual games for. So I've, I've, that's one of my prime interests in learning all about these uh, VTT options um, is to run games for virtual uh, North Texas. Well, let me keep me updated on how things go for you, because, uh, I mean, I'm looking at something sooner, but <laughs> yeah. if you find something really cool, let me know, because this is all new to me, too. So, I mean, my my last experience with any sort of virtual gaming was through BBS. No, through IRC. <laughs> so, it's been, a, it's been a few years since I've done any sort of virtual gaming RPG-wise. The thing I like about Virtual Raza is it's it's uh, virtual in that you get a video on your site, but you get a video of an actual tabletop. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not like it puts a chessboard and some chess icons up there on your computer screen. I mean, it, you could play chess on Virtual Raza. You know what I'm saying? And and both and see the actual chess pieces. You know, so, instead yeah, of a graphic really icon. Like, so it's really it's really uh, interesting, different idea on what. Uh, virtual tabletops are um, because a lot of virtual tabletops they're they are providing the game board mm -hmm. you know or the cards or whatever but he provides the interface that just lets you do whatever you want to do on your tabletop and uh, broadcast it out there and uh, and there's interaction from the other players too who do not have physical access to the tabletop there's ways for them to interact too um, but uh, uh, you you kind of got that um, setup, you know, where mm -hmm. everybody can share this table, and one or two people, if two people happen to be there at the same house, you know, um, uh, do all the actual moving of things on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I'm thinking cool. because I don't really use maps or 
miniatures or anything like that. But if I had something that was like, like I said, a hand-drawn map, I could probably set that up to show that. I don't know. I don't know what makes the most sense, but uh, um, because I do like to scribble out, you know, at least a vague idea of where they're at and what's in the room. And, and sometimes with some of the modules that you run, there are like puzzles and clues that actually have real artwork that you mm-hmm. would want to show. So and that's kind of been my hang up with what's that? It seems to me virtual Raza would be like the most ludite friendly of the tabletop options. Uh, just the, I just the, need to look into it. Yeah, you could um, uh, just open your book and show them the monster, you know, with Virtual Raza. Um, uh, another option, um, but you have to have digital, you know, scans um, or original digital artwork or whatever. Um, but we use Web Whiteboard, and it lets you post pictures, and anyone can log on and view that um, with just a link. So you don't have to have an account anywhere or anything like that if you're playing and um so it also lets you draw you know which uh, for some dms being able to draw is real important other dms it's not as important um but i think showing pictures is a real important part of even an around the table game you know i like to have a picture held back so and this is the monster here's the picture you know um, just so, because I don't think I mentioned them, the the two virtual cons that I was talking about, I believe the tabletop.events one is called Con of Champions. Yes, and that is the, um, And the, the Goodman Games one is called Cyclops Con. So that's Which what I don't understand. I don't know enough about the... Is that a reference, or so is it just... There's a, the, there's a Goodman Games logo that has a Cyclops as a... One of their logos is a cyclops. I'm Who's their mascot? <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's it's funny because a lot of their stuff is the dinosaur because um, oh, the name of that is just straight out of my head. Um, oh my, Bronchosaurus Rex was one of their first big titles. So you see a lot of dinosaur stuff, but there mm. is there is a cyclops in some of their publishing material. So I'm guessing that's where it came from, but. I don't have the inside scoop on that. Okay. <laughs> What's that? I just said, okay. <laughs> but I said it in a funny way, apparently. <laughs> um, I, heard, I heard something different, so it didn't sound like okay. So, I didn't uh, know what you were... so yeah, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the details, but that's my guess for what it's worth. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, silver lining, we can talk a little bit of some of the inherent benefits of running a game uh, through the Internet. And one of those inherent benefits is private messages. You're able to just if yeah. somebody's killed and has become a doppelganger, it's real easy to let them know on a virtual tabletop. You just send them a private message and say, hey, you're now a doppelganger. Act accordingly. You don't have to say, OK, I have to have a suspicious meeting with with uh, player X. And player X and pass them a note or whatever. Yeah. yeah, anything that you do, somebody knows something's up. So right, yeah. that is a that is a nice bonus. Uh, you know, and then there's stuff like online initiative tractors, tractors, initiative tractors, <laughs> which are tractors that get a bonus to their initiative roll. They're very fast tractors. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's stuff like character sheet management uh, stuff that is available to you in this virtual space. 
So that's kind of like the silver lining to the cloud. Um, and I, I also think this is a time where people are kind of looking for ways to fill their time. And so this is not, looking, not necessarily for ways to connect. Right. This is not necessarily a bad time to kind of evangelize gaming and which I think is always worthy because I think gaming can be a very uh, helpful part for people's lives. Um, and just reach out and say, hey, have you been wanting to try Dungeons and Dragons? Get on to this Zoom meeting with me and we'll pretend to be elves. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have in the past tried to get an online virtual game going and and never was able to. So well, now's the time. Be the beginning. Maybe this will be the beginning of something great. Everybody's I, I like the idea of. <laughs> I like the idea of online gaming because I'm not near my gaming group and I'm not near, you know, I mean, I'm a two hour drive. It's, it's not always possible for me to run. I'd love to do a campaign, but I can't, I can't say I can do it every two weeks or even monthly. It's hard. So if I could find a way to do it virtually, I think that would be pretty amazing. Referring to yourself as a in person. What's that? It was just going to... It's the stupidest joke. I'm going to go ahead and tell it, though. But it's real dumb. <laughs> uh, referring to yourself as a two-hour drive kind of sounds like you're calling yourself a tall drink of water or something. <laughs> I'm a two-hour drive. <laughs> I know what you meant, but it's just, it sounds like a scripter. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sit with us. I'm a two-hour drive. <laughs> oh, my husband rode three days on a bus to come here. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> seventy-two-hour drive. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have I have interest, and I've had interest in doing virtual gaming in the past anyway. So this, I'm hoping this will be that little mm -hmm. push that makes me learn, yeah, how to do it. <laughs> well, and I old. think the thing is, like, there's clearly it, like some advantages to virtual gaming, regardless of the the time we're in, right? Because, like you said, the distance thing. There might just be a convenience thing, like somebody can play in their home after their kids go to sleep, but they can't leave their house and they can't have people over while their kids are asleep. Um, so there's definitely times where virtual gaming helps a lot. It's just that now there's a lot of people out there that you know are at home looking for ways to socialize, looking for stuff to do. And so it's, it's a good time to be motivated to start something like that because you know you're probably going to find players. Yeah, because there's nothing like a captive audience. <laughs> gener generally speaking, it's easier to find people who want to run a game than it is to build that table and have three or four players that um, serious about playing it and show up more than once or at least show up for a one-off. It's almost easier to get a campaign going than a bunch of one-offs because eh, it's a one-off I, I can play or not, you know. Um, uh, when there's a campaign going, you kind of want to know what's happening next and all that. You hate to miss. And running virtually would definitely help with that. Yeah, and I also that think that the virtual cons can help uh, DMs build virtual tables, you know, of players. 
they, they can connect yeah, DMs to sure. players. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a lot of what virtual cons really do is help. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, that's what local cons do too, but it manages to spread that out even further and make people more. Did we lose Sarah? She's, Did I lose everybody? She's making okay. people more something. <laughs> we may have lost Sarah. Oh, uh, Sarah. Come back. Come back. We want to know what people are more of. She's going to say she's turning people into Morrissey. More. Oh, is that what she was of, saying? Of, people this, more, of the Smith. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big fan. I'm not really. <laughs> yep, I think she's gone, guys. All right, well, here's yeah. the thing. Ah. She's gone. Now she's going to be back. Uh, she's, yeah. she's gone for realsies now. Yeah. I, I, so I ran um, a couple of games uh, uh, since the pandemic has uh, set in and we've all been practicing our social distancing. Um one for uh, listeners of Save or Die and um, uh, Megan, <laughs> who, I <don't> think, <laughs> who I don't think listens to Save or Die, um, <laughs> uh, but that's fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, Can y'all hear me now? Yeah. Hey, there you are. Yeah. Hey. Okay. I disappeared. <laughs> yeah, you we did. saw that. <laughs> okay. Go on, Carl. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, and that was a BX one, and one for um, uh, some uh, uh, kids from my homeschool game group, um, uh, for um, one of their birthday parties. Uh, so they had an isolation birthday party. So what do you do? You get online and you play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they both went fine. Uh, one was designed to be continuing, and one was designed to be a one shot. Um. So, you know, the one shot, I didn't really do anything differently than I would have for a theater of the mind game uh, uh, in any circumstance. But for the um, one that I'm going to continue, the the BX based uh, one for Save or Die listeners, I wanted something that I could kind of jump in and out of really easily. And so the scenario for that one, it's set up where the entrance to this old wizard's dungeon was found very near to a country inn. So I have sort of my my small bit of civilization and um a dungeon entrance all kind of together, but it's 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 separate from civilization at large. It's a small country inn. It's on a it's a traveling inn on the road, you know, so it's not necessarily a whole city, which kind of provides me a very small thing to kind of play in, a very small space to play in. Um and then the because it's the wizard's dungeon and it's this kind of inherently magical place, it's actually one where when you um, go down the stairs of this dungeon, you are t- by doing that in that process, you are teleported randomly to some place in the dungeon um, and you still see the stairway out of there that you came down so you can get out pretty easily, but you have no control over where you end up. So what that means is I can wipe away the play that has happened and not have to necessarily keep a rigid track over the dungeon ecology of what's happened in what room, because any time a group gets together and goes down those stairs, they end up in kind of a new environment. I can revisit environments if I want, but it allows me this freedom to not have to worry about this kind of rigid what's happened where 
Um, who's taking out what monster? How am I going to replace that monster? How do I repopulate my dungeon? It just gives me this uh, space to play in where I have a a, t- a tavern, a single tavern that's kind of um, overrun. It's really busy now because of this kind of like ne'er-do-wells coming to adventure in this wizard dungeon and this random dungeon generators that I can use for kind of any any type of one-off situation. Another advantage of that scenario is um, if someone is not able to make it to the table, they just teleported to the wrong room. they just stayed at the end that day um it is i will say it is a good balance of being where you can jump in at any time but there's enough meat to the the lore of the dungeon and the inn as kind of your your central place of congregation that repeat players will enjoy it as well which is the nice balance i think yeah, and there there is stuff going on in the dungeon that I have planned uh, that you can uh, kind of discern and learn about, but it keeps it from having to be okay. This is room A and this is room B, and you have to mm-hmm. you have to then keep up with the idea of like who's been there and what have they done there, and it it also keeps me from all these groups going at the same time to this dungeon. So it's not necessarily that you all end up in the same starting area with, you know, 16 other groups or whatever. The concept is because I may have completely different groups of people play in this. Um, So it it keeps it from being this situation where you're now contending for treasure with this whole other group of people. Are there an infinite number of rooms? Um, possibly. <laughs> this is this is why you should think about this. Oh, if, I have. <laughs> if there are an infinite number of rooms, then it's impossible to ever get the same room again, if they're random. But if there are a finite number of rooms, it can be very improbable, but not impossible if it's randomly chosen. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a, a, a response uh, uh, to that, uh, that 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 doesn't care about math. And that is, it's magic. So it's, of course, possible to end up in the same room, even if there are infinite number. Because it's magic and not math. Because it's, okay. it's, it's the whims of, of, of magic. It's just not necessarily random. Exactly. Yeah, I see. And maybe I've said too much. Megan is, in theory, playing in this game. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a Thin Mint break because I saw Thin Mints on my desk. Good. I was talking about spoilers for the game. Perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> Megan, you can't listen to that part of the podcast. <laughs> it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> so... Something that has happened with my game group um, during this is we we were playing um, King's Dilemma, which is a legacy board game, kind of choose your own adventure, adventure where you play as a council uh, that advises the king in this uh, fantasy land and the decisions you make impact the story of this land over generations. And we were playing it at a friend's house uh, once a week. Um, And then 
when this all happened, we decided to switch to playing it virtually through Tabletop Simulator. And not only do you have things like Tabletop Simulator, but you have uh, Tabletopia and then a just plethora of single release board games that are completely playable um, virtually with friends over the internet. You can even do a lot of them on your phone. So for board gamers, it's really easy to adapt. And depending on the type of board game you, you're, you're playing, you'd be surprised at how efficient you can play a board game virtually versus playing it uh, on, the, on the actual tabletop. Now, you don't actually get to have the joy of the, the little bits and the, all of the um, tokens and such mm-hmm. that you love and cherish. Uh, but setting up a game by clicking a button and having it all just done is really nice. <laughs> so it does, it does cut down on that a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So that varies from game to game. Obviously, uh, tabletop simulator is something that usually requires more manual setup. Uh, Tabletopia is one I think that's more automatic. And then obviously yeah, the end of, yeah. yeah, the individual games um, are tailored so specifically to that game that it's the interface is just so easy to, to set up a game and, and get going. And a lot of those, an advantage is that you can play games like that over a long time period rather than having to commit to sitting down and playing it over a, a half an hour or an hour. You can play it throughout the day in turns, you know, periodically. So there's some well, there's some advantages that, you know, there, too. So with Tabletopia, you can just leave your table set up and come back to it. I don't know about Tabletop Simulator, but... Um, because I haven't actually used that platform, but you mm-hmm. can come back to it months later if you want to. Like if you're, I mean, I haven't, but it is a possibility. Um, also, I think um, I don't know if it's just Steam, but I know that there've been lots of sales on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, I keep, I keep coming across discounts for that. Um, yeah, I unfortunately uh, also- had to buy it before it went on sale. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. So there's also board game, board game arena, which I don't have any experience with either. But that's another big tabletop. I haven't game heard of that one. Platform. Um, I personally, I know Megan spoke to it. I use Tabletopia from time to time. Um, it is a pay for service, but there are a lot of games that you can do for free, especially if you just want to play a two player game. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of their two, you know, two player game is free, but if you go up to like a four player game, it, you're going to have to have it. One of the people will have to have an account, um, at least. Yeah. It depends on the type of account. But there are lots of games that are totally free, no matter what, especially if you like a lot of the classic games like Chess or Pachisi or Go. Um, you yeah. definitely play those for free. I believe um, I looked at the, I looked at the pricing. I believe it's like ten dollars a month to have the plan that allows you to just invite friends, and then they don't have to have a paid. So, if you have a, a group that wants to go in together, that that's something that you could split. Or if you just want to make that investment and and have your friends come and play games with you, you're getting an access to a lot of board games. So yeah, there's 800, 800 yeah. plus board games, and there's some like really good board games on there. Yeah. It's not. It's a drop in a bucket compared to what you'd be spending on those board games if you were just buying them and playing them on the tabletop. (laughs) And you can play them at a distance. So um, (laughs) I I have played, I have played some on tabletop. You know, Liz and I, even though we're in the same house, we will play games on Tabletopia because 
it's a game we don't own that we're interested in. So we can you mm-hmm. know, play a game that we don't actually own, even though we're in the same house. And yeah, obviously set up a game on the table. But, you know, there's there's a lot of games though that we don't have access to. So well, and that's a, that that's another thought that I had when I was looking at it is like, there's a lot of games here that I kind of want to try and that's a good way to try them. And then if you like them and you want the physical copy, you'll have at least that experience going forward. I am thinking about um, doing, depending on how things go, doing the premium membership. If I decide to run something for con of champions, because I could run some, um, board games through tabletopia because that is a platform that i'm familiar with and could mm-hmm. could actually do that but it would probably just be for that month just so i could i could support tabletop.events in that way but i haven't made a decision on that yet we're going to see how the next month goes first <laughs> um but um and oh I, I wanted to speak on something else talking about board games um and it actually kind of ties into tabletopia because i think all of his games are on there but um Stonemeyer Games has been doing on, um, I think the actual YouTube channel name is Jamie Stegmeyer, who is one of the owners of Stonemeyer Games, has been doing, um, he's calling it Rolling Realms, which is an infinitely scalable roll and write game that he's been posting games on his channel. You can do a printout and play along with however many people and you can go back and watch past videos and play along with past games. But he's been doing these like virtual games of this rolling right that he just created in a weekend because he felt that need to do something during this time to help people connect. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I haven't played it. I have downloaded, um, I downloaded the file, but I haven't actually um, played it, but I'm going to, that is in my plans. I'll just go back to one of the old, ones that Mm -hmm. he's done because you don't have to do it real time um obviously i think he does it on facebook live so you can follow it real time and be in the chat and all of that but yeah he definitely posts them on youtube afterwards so um, i just thought that was kind of cool just another way to connect with other gamers that that he was able to do so one thing that i have done that doesn't count as virtual gaming um but it is something that is an option for gaming in isolation. I uh, was playing a, um, one of the Exit games, which is an escape room kind of uh, simulation game um, where it's a one-time playthrough. You get puzzles, you kind of navigate through the room, and you try to escape it. And depending on how fast you get out of the room, you get scored so many points. Um Typically speaking, those are played in in groups, but it has the ability to play it solo. And I've done that before with one of the Unlock games, but this is the first time that I played one of the Exit games. And it was a really fun experience uh, to to do that because it it has a lot of the same feel as like those point-and-click escape room digital games, but you have that added tactile experience of actually having the the cards and playing on the table and so if you are having extreme withdrawals from playing digital games only and really want to get on the table again there are some solo game options and that's one that i think is kind of just a fun experience um to try out is one of those exit games or the unlock games and then i'm kind of interested in doing like some solo gaming through something like tabletopia as well just playing some solo board games through that and seeing how I like that experience. 
so many designers have started adding solo rules to board games. It's um, it's a it's a good time to be a solo board gamer, I think. Yeah. Because there's so many, so many publishers that are are focusing on solo play. Well, and it's one of those things that it's funny because people kind of turn up their nose at it. Yet everybody's played solitaire at some point in their life. I mean. <laughs> It's not like it's a new idea to to play a, a, a board game or a card game on your own, but it's just something that seems so foreign to a lot of people. I think part of it is, is it's not foreign if it's a deck of cards, but when you're setting up like a huge board game, that's overwhelming for just one person. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that might be where some of it comes from. Like, you know, to pull out a deck of cards and play solitaire yeah. is not... Well, and that's what I will say about both the Exit and the Unlock games that I've played is that they they kind of teach you as you play. They're very simple, um, and it's it's all designed to where stuff is only revealed when it's time to be revealed, so you're not really overwhelmed. You pretty much just have a deck of cards in both of those games as well, and you just refer to the cards that you start with, and then it adds to as you play through it. Peter R. at uh, Gamer Plus. He writes uh, solo games, uh, RPGs, where you actually roll dice and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, like you're your own DM. Yeah, there are some of those. And, um, and he also writes about them. He's written some blog posts kind of describing how a play session could go, you know. Because mm, it's hard to, I... hard to wrap your head around even DMless, you know, DM yeah. solo, you know. Devin actually gave me like a solo play experience for the for the one game he ran for us. What was that game again? It's the one where you're the agents. Um, Call of Cthulhu. Oh. Is it Call of Cthulhu? Okay. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't sure if it was that one or the other one. Delta Green. Delta Green. Right. But Devin you? ran Call of Cthulhu. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Delta Green is the one that I remember, uh, but that was, I think, the one that I played at RPGCon one year, and I guess I just got it stuck in my head that that was the one I played, because they are they are basically, you You're know. You're talking about the one that we played in your living room? Yes. Yeah, that was Call of Cthulhu. Okay, so it has a, like, teaching solo game, so mm-hmm. it's a way that you can learn the rules by playing a solo game, um, and I have that somewhere in this house, so I should try that. Yeah, that's a that's a, solo games has a long history that goes all the way back to the seventies. Uh, solo RPG uh, uh, modules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another one that I was thinking of that we had. I have downloaded or something. I just can't think of the name of it. There are tunnels and trolls is pretty popular, pretty famous for having solo modules. Tunnels and trolls does. Yeah, I don't know if it's a tunnels and trolls one. I think it was just a standalone, like it was a solo a solo version of another game so but i can't remember if i if i come across it i'll send i'll send you a link i can figure out what it is but yeah Uh, that's a good it's a good point too that solo gaming is another way to to still get tabletop gaming in when you're social distancing for whatever reason yeah it's it's not technically on topic since it's not virtual but yeah so, well, what if like, you logged in virtually and played a little game with yourself? That's, I mean, that that's what I was kind of saying. Is like I kind of want to do that with Tabletopia, um, is play solo games virtually. <laughs> I'm gonna log in to roll twenty, but I'm I'm gonna play D by myself. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
So one thing that is really cool on Tabletop Simulator, and I'm sure there's lots of individual games that have this, but if you're interested in Tabletop Simulator and you also like uh, Jigsaw Puzzles, it has a game that you can install in it that's just a Jigsaw game that allows you to take any image and create a Jigsaw Puzzle that you can put together virtually with your friends. Uh, so if you're into jigsaw puzzles, which I have done too since being in isolation, so I am definitely into jigsaw puzzles as a way that you can kind of do it with friends and visit and have a nice conversation while you're putting together a puzzle. Um, and you can make it be of anything. You can make it be super nerdy and have it be like sweeping, majestic Lord of the Rings scenery that you're putting together while you're talking about nonsense. You can make a jigsaw so puzzle jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> jigsaw. But you have it. <laughs> yes, Sarah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. All the nonsense. Sorry. I'm sorry. Can Sarah. you Come have on. it to wear like Carl? the jigsaw? <laughs> can you have it to where you can save it and people can just come in it and work on it whenever they want to? Like if you were doing a large puzzle or something. I don't or... know. Like the one that I was on, because the only time I've experienced it was as a streamer was doing it through her Twitch and she had an open slot and apparently nobody else had, had tabletop simulator installed. Cause I figured it would fill up and it never filled up. So I jumped in on the game and I can't remember if she said she was doing the max size, but I think she was said she was doing one of the larger sizes and it was still only like 300 pieces. Um, oh, and some change. So they're not really huge, huge yeah. puzzles. Um, so I'm that's not sure if that's really yeah. necessary. depending like, on. I think there's ways to like edit it though, to make it harder. Well, we have cats and we enjoy jigsaw puzzles, but if we want to do something that's like a thousand yeah. pieces, it's not possible. I mean, without that, having to that like was my thing too. I, I basically, when I was working on the puzzles, I had little containers for all the loose pieces, <laughs> and then I had a board that I could put over the puzzle on the table when I wasn't working on it. So I would seal up all the containers and put that board over, so the puzzle was completely protected because i knew i would get to the end of that puzzle and have like half the pieces you know <laughs> either chewed yeah, up or destroyed over, or all, all over the lost. floor <laughs> <laughs> so and we're like we like the idea of doing jigsaws but it's just really we had one of those like when you roll it up but i it never came out the same way it's like it, it always fell apart and it was not it was not a preferred method of storing puzzles for us okay here's an idea for the jigsaw puzzle site or game online game is you put your picture up there you know what i'm saying and it turns it into a jigsaw puzzle but if you push a button then you get a file that'll cut it out on your laser cutter mm. so you're taking your virtual game and turning it into a physical game at a make fest <laughs> So, <laughs> it looks like it's called Custom Jigsaw, is the tabletop simulator add-on that you can do. Custom Jigsaw, um, yeah. And do they already have And that? basically, yeah, basically you just have a prompt. Um, it goes up to 320 pieces, so... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, single yeah, so. session, single session puzzles is what their what their market is. Yeah. 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 Unless you're, really just... Unless you're really bad at puzzles. Unless you're really bad at puzzles. But it goes to, you could start at 20. So if you're really bad at okay. puzzles, you could do the 20 piece puzzle. 
Unless you're really bad at puzzles and don't know you're really bad at puzzles. <laughs> the one thing I will say about doing virtual jigsaw puzzles is um, I tend to like to do smaller puzzles virtually. It's kind of a good upper limit for me when it comes to doing them on the computer screen. There's something about on the computer screen that makes it really... I don't know. It gets I mean, it I gets think, overwhelming when you have a lot of little pieces on the screen. <laughs> I think one thing about all of this, about virtual gaming, is there is a a kinetic enjoyment that is found in tabletop gaming. I think that's one mm. of the reasons why we enjoy tabletop gaming. Uh, when we have uh, uh, miniatures and cedar in our Dungeons and Dragons game, there's there's an enjoyment of seeing that and and having that kinetic experience of interacting with this. Uh, display in front of you and the same is true of board gaming the same is true of puzzles i mean there's a kinetic experience of like pushing that puzzle piece in and and like it fitting and going hooray we found it um that's how we put together puzzles at my house uh, and uh so you know you, you can't help but lose that a little bit you know uh in mm -hmm. in the virtual experience that's one of the reasons why i think why virtual raza is is calling to me is because i i at least get to keep that kinetic experience for myself <laughs> <laughs> and then I can I can go to my friends and say, "Look at me, have this kinetic experience," <laughs> which will be exciting for them. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the simpler games work really well virtually, and the ones that have a lot of different pieces, a lot of different movement. While there are advantages because setup times can be quicker there's a certain disconnect when playing it virtually at least for me like switching over to um tabletop simulator on uh king's dilemma which really isn't a super complicated game it's just you know takes up a lot of table um and it felt like in order to experience the the full table on tabletop simulator i had to scroll out so far to see the entire table and there's something that you lose in that because you have your own little private uh you know they just have a shield when you're playing the game but in the in the tabletop simulator i think they call it something like the fog of war but you have this own little player space that just you can see and you're zoomed out so far that you can't hardly see your player space um, there's zoom options and things like that that they've built into it, but there's just something, there's something about when you're in a virtual space, getting the, the, the feel of the entire table is harder. And so for simpler games that don't take up as much space on the table, it's easier to play them virtually. I can't imagine trying to play something like scythe on on a on a virtual simulation thing or something like that because there's just so much on the board <laughs> but there it's there you can play it <laughs> hmm. sarah are you are you talking oh sarah's gone again i think sarah was trying to talk during that <laughs> oh no uh yeah i've never i don't play a lot of board games uh yeah uh, so my, I was my expecting Sarah gaming... to chime in at Scythe, but apparently her internet crapped out on her again. So that's yeah, why. <laughs> I don't know what For happened. Sure. It happened again. So um, I don't think I have played Scythe on Tabletopia. Um, it is available on Tabletopia. I have played um, other games like um, 
key flower and viticulture that also have a lot of moving pieces. I did have something to add to what you were saying is um, one of the nice thing about virtual tabletops for some of these bigger games versus at the table is Mm -hmm. you can look at somebody else's face up cards without them knowing you're looking at them. So if you're trying to be sneaky, you can do that easier. Like if you don't want somebody to know why you want to see their card, they don't know that you're looking at their card, which could be a benefit or a, a detriment depending on the kind of game it is. Yeah. But, but or you could look at the rule book without anybody realizing you're looking at the rule book. Um, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, it's it's one of those things that there are some benefits too to to being on a virtual um table yeah. for those yeah. reasons. I just think for me there gets there's like a weird threshold where if a game has enough moving parts i would much much rather play it on a actual table um yeah but especially if it's like really finicky about where you put stuff so yeah and i think that's the nature of it i can't really remember how how uh tabletopia worked but i know tabletop simulator gets kind of finicky when you're trying to just move tokens and things like that. So if it's got a lot of moving parts, you start to feel that pretty quickly. So there's a, there's a game called Hue. I don't know if you've played it or not, Megan, but it is an abstract strategy. Um, and you have basically, they're like domino type cards and you kind of match it up and there's rules about how the cards score based on other cards you have. You've got, basically some of the cards work as scoring cards. They're double use cards. Mm-hmm. and you have to match them up like you want the cards to be aligned and something like that in tabletopia um at least the last time i played that particular game because you want that to be in a certain place and because it's so sandboxy it's sometimes hard to get it exactly where you want so even though that's a simple game it's finicky it's yeah. real finicky with that being said i've i've often used that exact same expression when playing games on the tabletop because some games are just finicky (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter how you play them sometimes games are just finicky so so yeah but uh, it's a it's a it's a viable resource oh yeah well and i mean it's allowed us to continue playing our our legacy game during this time Uh, and that's a that's a hard game to step away from and you know, it's like playing if you were meeting and playing a and d game weekly and then this happened and you didn't switch to playing it online. You just took a break for however long it's going to be before you can gather and play again. Well, then you're it's hard to get back into that campaign and get that momentum going again. Same thing with a legacy game. So I'm glad yeah. I'm glad it offered us the opportunity to continue our game. And I'm I. You know, I want to take this opportunity to to play more stuff virtually and and get those experiences and and learn the quirks and learn the advantages and all of that. So I'm going to deviate from topic just a little bit because we we were talking about Scythe and we were talking about legacy games. And during this time, we've been playing Rise of Fenris, which is the Scythe legacy game. Um, And Mm -hmm. we, (laughs) it's kind of what you were talking about. We played the first game months ago. And, and just us kind of being isolated, the three of us being here isolated alone, we're like, oh, you know, Devin's like, we should pull that out. So we played the second game 
with almost no memory of what happened in the yeah. first game. And it's, it was, you know, it was difficult. <laughs> we're like, I don't know what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> I do, I do well enough, like on a week to week to try to keep up. Like it's, right. it's not easy for me to like, remember all of the, the little story beats in this game. Uh, we actually have, uh, a, a Google Doc somewhere that's got all of the notes of all, all the events that have happened in our game, just so we can keep track. Um, but like I, a lot of times stuff comes up in the game, and I'm just like, "Who are these people again? What what's going on with this stuff?" I just right. yeah. yeah. Which the nice I thing about things, yeah, the nice thing about King's Dilemma is if you have that, uh, you know, certain same element that I do where you can't remember anything for the story elements or there's only certain stories that you're invested in and others storylines you're just not interested in um, you can play to your stats and you the story so you can kind of adapt your your play style for, for a game like that but there's you know for me playing a story focused game and then having to take a long time off from it and trying to come back to it would just be the worst so um, yeah. I am. I am very, very grateful for the work that people have done to make these gaming experiences available to us online. I agree. When you're um, running a game, or RPG game online, I think. Um, I mean, generally speaking, DMs put some setup time into their games, um, even if they're playing at a tabletop, but. Uh, uh, I think when you're doing something online, it takes uh, a lot more prep work up front for the DM, both on the setup of how the game can run to make it where it'll flow online and also on just the technology. Mastering the technology yeah. and, and, and setting up either. your... Looks like Laramie Wall is typing. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say about... Um, King's dilemma on tabletop simulator is is the 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 guy who was hosting us at at at, at his house did set that up. Now they're save states, so once he had it all set up and arranged, he could save state it, and then it was always set up. But you know, it was a legacy game, and we were so far into it, so he had to set it up, and then he had to update all of our information um, in this game to where we could play it from the point we were at. So he had to pull out all of the appropriate cards and mark all of the, the different things oh, that had occurred nice. and place all the stickers and all of that stuff virtually and just bless him, man. Cause that's <laughs> that a terrible, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but the entire time he was doing it, he was messaging us and he was like, this is, this is so great. So <laughs> apparently he enjoyed the experience. <laughs> Well, I have a question. Is anyone aware of any games that were designed from the outset to be virtual? Halo. <laughs> so there is, let me see if I can find it. I know there's others as well, but um, there is such a thing as 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 like virtual board games that are really always meant to be virtual board games um 
It wasn't like it was a board game and then they just adapted it. I got to find it in my Steam. Unfortunately, I have a lot of stuff. Uh, Armello is the one I'm thinking of. Mellow? Yeah, that's Armello. what I, I meant. Uh, a game like a board game, but yeah, I, maybe I was, I'm yeah. Just, I'm maybe, just a jerk. Yeah, maybe was never, <laughs> maybe was never Armel- even released as a board game. Just designed to be played virtually yeah. from, from, from the top up. So it's a digital role-playing strategy board game. Like that's Hero what, Quest. I mean, that's how they, that's how they define it. Virtual but it is Hero Quest. Very much <laughs> meant to play like a board game, but was always built to be a video game. I feel like we should talk about one more thing, which I feel silly that we didn't, especially when it comes to board games, is especially if you've got a game with like public information or a cooperative game, one person with a copy of the game can set it up and move other people's pieces mm-hmm. if there are pieces to be moved. Um, and that's something we didn't talk about. Um, that is, you know, Carl's, Carl's tactile experience where one person gets that and nobody else yeah. does. But, um, and you can do somewhere if there's multiple copies of the game. It might be some searching to get the right cards and all of that. But you can play games like that, too, where there is pi- private information. But that's more difficult because yeah. you got to make sure you don't have the same card as somebody else does or whatever but that is that is something that i am seeing in a lot of the board game groups that people are setting up um yeah like games of code names or just one um where you really only have to have one copy of the game for everybody to still be able to get together and play and those are games that aren't necessarily available in a virtual for- format otherwise i assume that that most cooperative games would work in that format yeah I think there's ways to do that. I know that I've had friends who have set up like webcams specifically to like film a tabletop while they were able to play games that they couldn't play any other way over Skype or what whatever nonsense they played it over back in the day. Um, so another market that we haven't talked about at all, but is huge and kind of goes again with Dad's question is that one thing that is definitely a thing that exists is digital-only collectible card games. Yes. Um, those, that is a huge market. So, um, And there are also digital versions of real, you know. Real, yeah. Real, yeah. <laughs> the real <Yeah>. ones. <laughs> and I think that's that true. fake digital I think, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true of miniature games, too. I think that there is an X-Wing game i don't know how how great it is and i don't know how legit it is but i i'm thinking that i've seen some games being played of x-wing digitally and i'm i don't have any more information than that but it is a thing that is existing yeah as well there's also all of the jackbox games which are fun <laughs> silly party games that are very available to play online in a lot of different methods you can play on your phone there's lots of different ways to play those games and so there if you are want four a, good ones there's a there's you know if you wanna if you wanna have silly party games during this time that's a good option for y'all and those are always on sale right now too so. yeah. <laughs> i have seen so many listen for all of listen them. i loaded it's up right, my I mean, steam and things things became apparent to me <laughs> <laughs> Mostly that apparently at one point I bought a, a bundle of Jackbox games. I don't think I've played a single one of them. I've played Drawful before. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. 
I think that's the only Jackbox game I've ever played. There's like so it's not the same one that has like the, the trivia and stuff from like way back when. Yeah, the you don't know Jack. Yeah, yeah, I played those, but yeah. that's it. I think we had it like available on Roku when we very first got Roku a million years ago. So that wasn't really a million years ago. It wasn't available then, but <laughs> when we first got Roku. Yeah, they're definitely board game inspired as well, considering all of the images yeah. are like board game boxes. <laughs> what are your four good ones, Carl? I don't know. You don't actually <laughs> there's have like, four specifically. There's like, there's like 32 of them, though. Like, totally. Yeah. Like, there's a, ton there's, of a them. there's a bunch and, of them. And a lot of them are stinkers. But yeah. um, there's like the, the spooky trivia one. That one's pretty good where you where you can become a ghost. Um, there's, uh, there's Drawful. That's kind of fun. Uh, and there's others. <laughs> Is it Trivia Murder Party? I don't Is know. Is that it? I honestly I have don't one that know. says Trivia Murder Party. Is that the spooky trivia game? <laughs> uh, doesn't sound right. <laughs> there's a bunch of what looks to be like voodoo doll plushy things. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound right yeah that sounds about right all right oh we were playing trivia murder party too that's why i didn't oh that's why i didn't oh. yeah completely different game it's all explained now but it's fun i mean it's just trivia it's not yeah. like it's it's not like spooky trivia like the trivia is normal trivia um but it's spookily themed and because of that like you can get knocked out of the game, but still participate as a ghost, which is good. <laughs> I think we should be done recording. <laughs> uh, before we finish recording, I have a couple things. I want right. to plug. Uh, follow me and die, Larry Hamilton over at Gamer Plus. He's working on a series. It's uh, um, Roll Twenty for the absolute beginner. So. Um, I hadn't actually, I don't do Roll20, so I hadn't actually, but their videos and some, I think he's doing some of them on Twitch now. So he's, uh, yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah. Um, I'm an absolute beginner. Roll20 for the absolute <laughs> beginner, because this is a time when, you know, we n need more DMers out there on Roll20. Well, he does a lot of stuff. Yeah. On Roll. He actually, I believe made that video before the current situation. Yeah. He started just... doing that. Yeah. And he was also, he did, uh, run a game at, uh, Virtual Gary Con, so uh, a, a number of things we've been talking about. The um, situation with tabletop gaming. He had a plug for for helping them on Gamer Plus too. So um, he's uh, up to date, you know. Um, and uh, the other thing I want to mention is the Related to Geeks Book Club, which is on April twentieth. The Dark Lord of Dirkholm, Diana Wynne Jones. So, two weeks from tonight. Yeah, I should I should probably get that book. Yeah, if I, need I have to, to read it <laughs> over the next two weeks. Um, it is available on Amazon as an ebook for like five bucks. So, I will um, uh, check out on Overdrive. I have not seen it. Okay, I looked it up the other day. I did that much, at least. Yeah. Maybe the uh, lady at the Jonesboro Library will get it. I'm honestly thinking about just reactivating my Audible account because it's been long enough that they're going to give me another free audiobook. 
They're doing a bunch of free stuff during this. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool biz like, you know, things happening with, with different businesses making stuff available. So there is there is that. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this related to Geeks podcast. We will be back again the first Monday of May where we will discuss a topic that we will probably pick the day before we record. So look forward to that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>You have been listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, recorded April 6, 2020, on the Monday Night Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat held at Tanker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. Sarah, Carl, Megan, and Larry discussed virtual gaming. The music for this show is Minor Bird by Harry Larry, performed by Bebop Beatniks. <laughs>